0: Have you been searching for a community that gets it? Join me, your host, Monique, as we get real about the emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual effects infertility has on its victims. Let's connect and heal together. I am one in eight too.
1: My story in the hope that it could help someone then because, you know, I think that's powerful. I think there is power in sharing and in people feeling like they're not alone yeah mm. yeah tell me about your, your story a little bit. yeah you... well I always feel like mine is a little bit different and maybe a little bit complicated but it might not be mm-hmm. <laughs> but um so it starts way back so before I had my son we tried for a year and I know a year isn't a long time but when you've never been through something before and mm-hmm. I was in my 20s I was in my mid-20s I didn't really think that that was something that could happen or would happen to me Mm. um I just assumed like most people (laughs) that you know when you want to have a baby you'll have a baby and when you make that decision it will just happen and then it didn't happen and I was like whoa what's this about and then it continued not to happen and I was like oh my god freaking out desperately kind of I think it got to a point where, like, loads. I mean, Facebook wasn't as big now as it Mm-mm. was now. I mean, this is like nine or 10 years ago, but yeah, because I've been married 10 years this year. But and I, so it wasn't as big, but I remember like friends kind of saying, you know, that they were pregnant. And it, I just got to a point where I was like, oh my God, I can't go through this anymore. And Anyway, so I kind of gave up on it, then naturally fell pregnant just out of the blue and, you know, had a healthy baby boy. He's now eight. But when he was two, we decided to try for another baby. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, it took us a year the first time. So it might take, you know, a while the second time. So I wasn't expecting anything fast to happen. Um, I had a C-section with him and I wanted that time to kind of heal and recover. So I thought, oh, at the two year mark, he's two, you know, now's a good time. Um, He got to free and we still weren't pregnant. And I thought, well, maybe that's just okay. Maybe I take, you know, time to get pregnant. Maybe that's just me. (laughs) And then, you know, it just didn't happen. And I didn't know secondary infertility was a thing. I thought that once you have one, then you're okay. And when I had spoken to doctors before my first pregnancy my with my son they were like yeah you'll be fine now you'll be fine now you know you, you've got pregnant months. you'll be fine so when I wasn't expecting to not conceive again mm-hmm. and so that I think I went through a real major depression of like oh my god I wasn't I didn't why am I here again what what what, what is going on so that was he is now eight so he was two so that's like six years ago and we've been on that journey now for six years yeah and I'm I, I've, I've been up and down and around and about with it you know yeah. um, I in that time I changed career completely because I wasn't I also wasn't happy in my career you know done my training my art therapy training mm-hmm. and I'm now a counsellor and a part of me was um, a bit like, I don't know if I should do infertility counselling, even though that's really why I came to the the work, because I knew I could offer something um, to families, to women, to women with children. But something just kept niggling at me. And I've, I've done a lot of my own mindset work and a lot of my own therapy. And I feel in a really positive place in my own life that now I'm like, actually, I feel i can help other people you know um yeah, yeah. and so that's that's where i am today but it's been a real long old journey for us quite yeah. unique oh, yes. so are you <laughs> in the middle or, 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 or are you in the
0: middle or were in the middle
1: of any treatment cycles recently in the last year no oh. no i've completely uh gave up on any treatment so yeah. when i i gave up initially i was in treatment Mm, that must have been about three or four years ago now but because we have unexplained Mm -hmm. and over here in the UK you you get IVF on our NHS but not if you've already got a child so okay yeah so there was lots of like well do we do it and we thought about it and my husband was like no no we don't do that you know it's we don't know why. We don't know why it's not happening for us. And he just felt like, and I think he was right for us personally and emotionally. It wouldn't have been right to go down that route. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm completely happy with our choice. So I sought other alternatives. I went through acupuncture. Um, I've seen nutritionists. Mm-hmm. I've gone mm-hmm. to reflexology. Yeah. I've gone to osteopath. Actually, I think I was searching for an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, when I st- when I stumbled across doing the mindset work, it was actually finding peace within myself mm-hmm. that has made the most difference. And so, for the past two years, I've had no treatment, uh, and I've just been, you know, focusing on like an inner healing, I guess, and an emotional healing, and um Focusing on what I, you know, my my life that I have and what may come, you know, yeah, I'm yeah, like, you know, anything yeah. can happen, and I'm pretty sure we will go on to have more children. In fact, I'm very sure we will. But I, you know, it's just like kind of surrendering to that and being like, well, when it comes, it comes, and it will be, it will be a beautiful thing when it does. You
0: know, that's a that surrender part is. Uh... I think it's a l it's a biggest issue for a lot of people
1: mm. if
0: treatment, especially here in the US as well. Really? And yeah, mm. absolutely. And then, you know, because it, it the, the systems and the structure of the of medicine are a little a mm. lot different here. Right. Okay. In the UK. If a woman goes a year without treatment, her OBGYN directs her straight to or refers her to a reproductive endocrinologist right and sometimes straight away away, and it doesn't matter how old she is as long as she's had at least 12 months of actively trying with her Mm. partner and if she is a little bit younger that it may take a little bit more convincing from an ob like if she's under 30 right but if she has a family history um, of fibroids, or mm. PCOS, or endometriosis, or anything like that. They usually will send you right away um, after right. that first year, and then once you get to be like my age, 35, 36, over, they give mm. you six months. Yes, and they'll they'll send you right on right on over. So, I think that with the differences in the structure of medicine. Mm. I feel like, what's the word I'm looking for? A little rushed. Yes. And there are some major, major medical issues that women are dealing with, like PCOS, endometriosis, Mm. you know, um, premature ovarian syndrome and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But it's just the whole process just feels like just yes
1: you know like an assembly
0: line type of thing
1: ah yes that's just what I was about to say because we we have the same thing here Mm -hmm. in that you know if it's been a year or you know or if you're over 35 six months and I think if it's with your second child I think it's six months too and they kind of rush you through um and I felt a bit like being on the conveyor belt it felt really impersonal and really sterile So all the tests and the procedures and turning up and the blood work. And I just felt like this piece of meat. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't Mm -hmm. continue to. I I want someone to look at me and go, are you okay? (laughs) Yeah And mean it I mean it, yes. And really mean it. And in a way I was lucky because I was going through, and I say lucky, but I was going through infertility treatment. And I was also because I was studying, and I had to have therapy as part of my study. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was getting the emotional support in, in therapy. But I kept saying to my therapist, you know, there needs to be there needs to be more like humanness in the medical model because mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is really such a deep, painful crisis that you know you find yourself in, and to just be kind of turn up and. Be given some drugs or it just felt to me I was like I can't do that and I, I think it's I don't know there's something so deeply personal and deeply painful about it yeah and yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. and yet you're expected to kind of show up at your appointments and just kind of get on with it and yet yeah. you know even like just going to the appointments going to the hospital I was like I don't want to do this <laughs> I don't want to, I don't yeah. want to continue to do this but I get it you know I get that Mm -hmm. some women have some real major complications such as PCOS and endometriosis and and they need to kind of go through that process but I keep wondering in the back of my mind how can it be more human I see any word I have for it but how can it be more yeah more um more about wellness and well-being how can know, we incorporate that into the medical model?
0: You know, that's, um, and you know, what's so funny is that a lot of times, like you said, with, with the, the the human part of it and the empathy mm. not showing up in a more powerful way. Mm. It, and it's like almost robotic, you know, when yes. you go to so many appointments, it becomes like going to work almost essentially. Yeah. You just getting up and you going. This is just, you know, it becomes so normal. It becomes mm. so normal to have 10 plus appointments in, for a doctor. And then people and then people like yourself who have one child already or two children already and they're going through unexplained or secondary infantility the next time. And you got to mm. explain to your child why you're going to the day going doctor so much. Like, yeah, you know, and it's just my heart just really goes out. And it's it's, um... Yeah. And my original statement I was going to make was about the bedside manner of the, of doctors and nurses Mm. and such. And they don't really have time to
1: do so
0: much when you think about it.
1: Mm. Because
0: they, the appointments are so scheduled right behind each other, you know, from client to client, from patient Mm. to patient. And then everybody's on a timeline because it's everything around our cycle, you know? Yes. Yeah. Around that perfect time oh i know really <laughs> so um... much
1: i know there's so much and it's interesting because i feel like that i it's, it's not doctor's fault it's not the system's fault really because like you said there is a schedule there is a time there are appointments and everything's timed um and so it, it makes it really hard for the individual or you as a person mm-hmm. going through it to really surrender it makes you instead it, it sends you the opposite way and yeah. you kind of go into anxiety because there's pressure like oh you know I've I've got to go to this appointment I've got to be there at this time and um my cycle's this and my ovulation is this window and my fertile window you know there's so much like you know scheduled that Mm. your your mind instantly just kind of goes into this anxiety um frantic kind of feeling. frantic yeah Yeah. and you can't surrender and just kind of go oh what will be will be and i I, like i said i made the choice to kind of walk away from it entirely Mm -hmm. but i know not many women you know would or or do um Mm -hmm. and it's a very individual thing whatever someone's choice is but i think there is something about how can there be and this is the thing that I'm pondering at the moment mm-hmm. is how can w- women as individuals gain their empowerment in their treatment? Mm. How can they feel like actually empowering? How can empath- we pause here? Yeah. yeah empowerment yeah. is to me being kind of like being able to say and having the confidence to say to a doctor, can, I, can we take a pause and let yeah. me think about this yeah. treatment? Or let me go and do a little bit of research and see if this is for me. Because even if you feel deep down, you'll probably go along with the treatment, or mm-hmm. that you will say yes. There's something about taking a pause to let me just breathe and think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Because, like you said, once you once you're in that kind of conveyor belt system, it's so fast. You don't have time to think, and you're and you're kind of just. The, you know caught up in this whirlwind of tests and stuff and yeah there's something about so that that's for me like there's something about Mm -hmm. having that time even just to pause and say whoa let me let me process that
0: yeah yeah
1: let me just you know I'm
0: hmm. I'm just sitting here thinking you know it's no wonder that we put our our bodies through so many cycles Mm -hmm. yeah it's not mm-hmm. unusual in the community for women to go through five plus cycles, you know? Right. Yes. That's that's, yeah. that's on the low, like my cycle, the, mm. me, the times that it took me to get pregnant is like easy breezy for some of, for some of these women and these men, uh, mm. infertility warriors. And I don't, one of the greatest things that I did that I, I didn't feel like this at the time, but one mm. of the greatest things that happened to me was that I was forced to wait. Four years from diagnosis to go back and get treatment. And oh, twenty twelve, wow. I got diagnosed with uh right tubal blockage. Had a right. IUI done, IUI was unsuccessful. I never went back until spring of twenty sixteen. Wow. And and you know, when I look back on it, I was like, that's probably the best thing I could have done because mm-hmm. when I went back in 2016, I was in a much, much better place emotionally. Do you feel
1: like you got space? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. And I had Mm. space to get my body right, and I had space to do all the cleansings, all the exercising, Mm. all of the, uh, it gave me time in between work to learn more about infertility. Uh, Wow. I didn't know a daggone thing about infertility. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. only thing I knew is that I was taking birth control. Yes. (laughs) from, uh, from, From the time I graduated high school up until I met my husband, you know, so that's yeah. the only form of fertility I knew, was that I was going to get pregnant before I wanted children, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, and, and that's a topic for a different day, it's just, you know, those synthetic hormones and how they affect a woman's body too, that life. is, yeah, yeah, that's a whole other topic, that's but, a whole other <laughs> topic, yeah, yes, but I definitely feel like, that four year period was like the best thing for me, and it was the best thing for my husband too. I don't think that we do that enough.
1: No, through treatment,
0: and I think a lot of people, because of the way society is structured, we're always on the go, and so when yes. we're on the go in the in the infertility world, it just like is just like regular everyday life, and we get caught up in that in that hamster wheel,
1: you know. Yes, yeah, it's definitely a hamster wheel, and I think. Um. And then there were lots of messages about aging and waiting, mm-hmm. you know, too long. That, you know, we as women have to also face, and which again adds to the anxiety and the stress of, you know, getting caught up in that there is no time, or this feeling anyway, or this, you know, that there is no time to wait. And I, and like I said, it's individual, but I wonder, you know, actually if you could slow it down it would probably be better for everybody to kind of you know process it kind of you know how do you feel about this (laughs) you know yeah how do you really really feel about this and how do you feel about your life and because it's so much more than just not being able to get pregnant yeah and I think that's the bit that people miss I think that's what people think it's about but actually i think anyone who's going through it will will say it's it's more than that you know i'm i'm you know that's not what's keeping me up at night and crying and yeah. you know it's it's just this loss of the life that i thought i was going to have and i'm really worried that i'm not going to be able to be a mother like i thought i would be yeah and what does that mean
0: yeah you know? yeah and then you get that question too in your mind like yeah and then I, I started asking myself, well, I did, not myself at the time, but like just doing the work of the podcast and talking to people from different parts of the world and, and getting a lot of different pr- perspectives. I started asking, like, well, why don't we begin the journey with a plan for how long mm. we will stay in it? Right. Interesting.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: How, uh, why we need to start having plans and I call it the I just started saying like well why don't why didn't we start with not a backup plan but why didn't we start with well what if it doesn't work plan what you know and people hate to to ask that Mm. question because it has a negative connotation behind it. Yes and it and it kind of feels negative a little bit but Mm. I think the Libra in me can't help but think about well let's look at all three sides of the story. The truth your perspective and what if it didn't, what if it doesn't work? And I just started thinking about that, you know, recently mm. just having more conversations with various people and having conversations with men too. And mm. I think men think that way more than we do.
1: Yes. I mean, Which is difficult for us, isn't it? Because yeah. I know with my partner, I felt like he could, we both have a want for another child, but in a very different way. Yeah. And I think he is more, a, well certainly in the beginning when I was really quite down depressed about it I felt like he was more able to be more pragmatic about it and more mm-hmm. like okay well if this doesn't work we'll just move on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I was like but I can't move on I'm here and I, I want the baby but and then yeah. that was a real jar for me but at the same time. I was like, I want to be like that. I want to be able to kind of let it go. But Mm -hmm. I think you're right. I think if if I had a plan of, well, okay, if that doesn't work, then then what? It, Mm -hmm. It could have been very different. And I think before I had my son, I kind of did that. I remember getting to a point where it wasn't happening and then thinking, oh, you know, actually, I can't do this anymore. I can't sit here and cry about this anymore. I was like, what am I going to do with my life if this doesn't happen? And I thought, well, I think I'll go and be a teacher. It just kind of popped in (laughs) my head. Like, Mm -hmm. I'll go and study to be a teacher. And I was like, okay, I could do that. And that would be great. And I'd be happy doing that. And it's almost like you, I'm not saying everyone should do this, but there is something about, like you said, that kind of, not necessarily plan B, but what if it doesn't happen? You know, Mm -hmm. life isn't over. Life doesn't have to necessarily be meaningless or worthless. And I think it's finding out what is the meaning in life for each and every one of us. Because even when, and you know, you've got a child, I've got a child. Even when you've got a child, they don't necessarily bring meaning into your life. They make you a mother and that's a real blessing. But I, I, even when I had him, I still found myself feeling like, okay, but what am I going to do with my life, you know, if Absolutely. I don't have more children? You know, who am I going to be? So I was still asking myself the same questions after he arrived. You know, who am I going to be? Actually, I want him to be really proud of me when he grows up. So what's he going to say that I do? (laughs) You know, I had all these conversations in my head like, Oh, we did, too proud thing. of me. Yeah, I,
0: and you so see, you put your kids in the playground or yes, talking like, well, "What <laughs> did your mom do for a living?" Yes, exactly. did your mom stay home with you? And if she stay home with you, does she do anything else besides that? You know what I mean? Yeah, and I exactly. I had the same questions. You know, it, it yeah, same questions, and not that you know having a second baby wouldn't have brought me to the same questions. It may just happen later on. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yes, indeed. So what was your real inspiration behind going into fertility counselling as a niche?
1: I just couldn't ignore it in the end. I mean, when I first came to the work, I thought, oh, I'll I'll probably work with mothers, which I did do. I worked in a a postnatal and perinatal service. Mm. And I found that actually really quite difficult because... The women were battling all kinds of things, you know socio economic things okay it was beyond just being a mother and it felt quite like oh the you know it felt quite complicated for me, and I was like, as much as I enjoyed working with the women, there was also a frustration because mm. I felt like actually there was an unhappiness in their lives in general okay um and so I think I just kept going back to actually infertility and how, and this might sound strange, but I felt like with infertility, there's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. There's an opportunity to teach a woman or be with a woman, guide her into understanding who she really is. Okay. And on a really deep emotional level and to... Help her understand that actually when you have a child, that those things can persist, the anxiety and that can persist unless mm-hmm. you change yourself, unless you work on yourself. And yeah, you can work on yourself after you have a child, I did. But part of me was like, well, I wish I'd worked on myself before I had him. <laughs> yeah. and, and my experience might have been very different. So for me, I was, it just kept coming into my head that actually there's an opportunity here. To help her realize how important she is as a woman, but you know, not just as a mother, but as a woman, and how she can make such a difference in her future family's life just by being more emotionally healthy in herself, mm. and you impact your your future children. You raise emotionally healthy children. I was like, wow, the ripple effects is is crazy because. Mm you know, it, you impact the lives that your your children lead. But that also impacts their children. And it just mm-hmm. goes down the generations, you know, that, that we can have a huge emotional shift just by changing or helping a woman going through infertility to realise there is an opportunity for deep emotional understanding mm-hmm. that can affect her children and her children's children. Yeah.
0: And that's the other thing too is when you go through infertility and then you get pregnant. Yes. Have that healthy pregnancy. Or maybe the pregnancy was like mine and was premature. I had a premature birth. Right. But either way. Yes. You get there, you have the baby, you bring it home. Right. Yeah. But then you still have all these anxieties that. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah it doesn't go away with a positive pregnancy test (laughs) that's what I keep saying to myself and saying to people is that it doesn't go away those anxieties that you have don't they don't just magically disappear the anger the resentments the guilt the shame all of that stuff doesn't just kind of magically go away it's it's always present and it's not going to be everyone's experience but for some mums the baggage that we have that we've had in our lives, you know, Mm -hmm. through no fault of our own, through our upbringings, through the traumas that we've had throughout our lives, you know, that comes full frontal into parenting, you know, all that stuff that you haven't dealt with, all the emotions that you haven't dealt with. When you've got a a helpless baby who's dependent on you, it, it can trigger so much emotions in you that you didn't even, that you're not even aware of. It's just all there. <laughs> it's all there in motherhood. And I know that infertility is this kind of, uh, it's like a its own little bubble of its own, but there has to be a wider appreciation for actually we are, it's not just a baby-making business. Mm-hmm. It's not just about getting pregnant. This is about becoming a mother and, you know, becoming a family and what that actually means. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's the hard part for a lot of people, especially if they've been doing mm. it a couple of years. Yes, I don't see. Oh, yeah, I don't see very many people talking about preparing for motherhood. No. And when you're in the midst of infertility, you kind of become like uh, narrow sighted. Yes. A little bit because all you're thinking about is getting the positive pregnancy test and then eventually having the healthy pregnancy. Yeah. But during the midst of everything you forget that you really need the time to prepare for motherhood itself yes and, that's and it's a hard
1: it's difficult isn't it because yeah. no, until you're there like you said until you're there and you come home and you've got the baby in your arms you don't really know what motherhood is anyway no um Mm-mm. you know it's this almost like this weird concept you know that you try and get your head around it it's not quite real even during pregnancy I remember it not being really quite real and it's almost like the baby is still a concept and yeah even though they're in you and they're growing there's still this kind of like I don't know what it's going to be like though Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. no one can really quite prepare you for it but I do Mm -hmm. think there needs to be a wider appreciation and I think that does come down to the way that we do the treatment because mm. it's so focused on, like, we'll get you pregnant, we'll get you pregnant. Um, don't worry, we'll take care of it. We'll have you pregnant. Without this wider conception of, well, actually, we're making families here. We're making mothers here.
0: Yeah, this uh, whole unit together, you know. Yeah. And I think if I, th- I really believe, and somebody's gonna do it because we're talking about it. But <laughs> I really believe mm. that our ease should make it mandatory for counseling or life coaching in the infertility niche Mm. to go through treatment and in between, because think about all the women who are miscarrying.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes.
0: And of Mm. course, like, you know, most doctors would say, wait three months, you know, wait two months before you try again for another cycle. Mm. And um, I think you should wait longer than that. There's a a grieving process of leaving a baby. You know, whether it's five weeks, I don't care if it's eight weeks, I don't care if it's, you know, more farther along, a stillbirth type of more thing, or mm-hmm. if it's just like a, a, a five, six week fetus or an embryo that you lost. It doesn't matter. There's grief. <laughs> grief happens in stages. And yes. I don't think that we're going through the stages
1: properly all the time. Not, I mean... There's obviously grief in in loss um, and miscarriage, but I mean, there's such a, there's a grieving process just in infertility anyway, Mm -hmm. the grief of, you know, actually I might not have the family that I dreamed of. And that, that for me was like, how could, I remember saying actually to my therapist, like, how can I grieve something I never had? Yeah. and trying to rationalise it that way and she was just like you know there's, there's no sense in this <laughs> you know you don't mm. there doesn't have to be any sense in it Okay. but that realisation of actually you do need to go through the you know let it out you do need to cry and I agree I think there does feel like such a rush through treatment and to make things happen that we don't allow for the process of Our emotions and the process of just of of life.
0: (laughs) I can only imagine the what's the word I'm looking for. I can only imagine that you probably never thought ten years ago your life's work and legacy would be counseling people, you know, emotionally through fertility and infertility. No, I could
1: never have guessed that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. 10 years ago no definitely couldn't have guessed that at all and I didn't even you know going back just 10 or 15 years ago you know I'm, fer- I'm 36 now but you know in my mid-20s I, I didn't even really know what infertility was I kind of knew but I hadn't I didn't really have a clue um and so now I couldn't have imagined being here but but you know and it's the craziest thing though is when I was in the debt of despair through my own journey somehow through infecidity I was like there's a reason for this I don't know what it is but uh, mm-hmm. it will come mm-hmm. it, will be, it will come clear to me at some point yeah and so I do I, I yeah there was totally I found it's weird to be like I found my calling but yeah yeah I've I've definitely found my yeah my calling yeah. because uh, like I said when therapy I was like yes this is it And then when I really started to think about it, yeah, infertility, as painful as it is, there is something, I feel like it shouldn't, it doesn't, not that it doesn't have to be painful, but it doesn't have to be, you know, this isolating, alone, shame, you know, I do think that we can talk about it. And share our experiences of it, and just make it not so lonely. Kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. And taboo. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing taboo about it. No, I think I think it is incredibly misunderstood. There's definitely nothing taboo, and I think what keeps it taboo is nobody talking about it.
0: Yeah, and, and talking about it publicly. Yeah, and I always say that celebrities, their stories are great yes but their stories and their stories resonate with you know millions of people when they come about it come out about it and just recently um a singer here in the u.s i don't know if you've ever heard of her name her name is Kay michelle she has come oh out right. about her uh infertility struggles and mm-hmm. going through it you know in the midst of this COVID 19 crisis right um, she had posted a picture of all of her meds on the table, and she was like, "I don't know how you guys are going through this and how I'm gonna get through this in the midst of this crisis, you know and mm. um, those stories are awesome and they're great and they're amazing because they have that power publicly to reach so many people. Yes, but I still feel like at the end of the day, for myself, I can't speak for anyone else, but for myself, I resonate more with someone who is not a public figure in you know to the capacity that they are. Mm. And more closely to myself, someone that I could be in the coffee shop with and have a conversation with. That story resonates more with me because celebrities have all the money, they have the best doctors, yes. you mm-hmm. know, they have so many different advantages that we don't come even close to having mm. in a single lifetime, you know. And um, and and I just think it's important that we continue the conversation at this level, you know, at the so quote unquote, everyday people level, you know? Yeah. And because it's, you know, same sex couples are going through this. There's single women going through this, women who are waiting longer to get married and have children, you know, all of these different variations counselor zekia she is available for in person when the time comes that we can do these things again <laughs> <laughs> yes. but then you can also get in touch with her online to do counseling online as well and and that's amazing and i'm so appreciative of you coming on and speaking with us and sharing your own personal journey and bringing us up to date through you know your inspiration behind getting into the fertility niche of counseling which is amazing and i think it's going to become even more more necessary especially oh, so. after this crisis is all over people yeah i agree more than you know one another more now than other especially people like yourself and and professionals like yourself who have the necessary tools and ways to help us heal because excellent you know, yes i appreciate you so much again for coming on and and just letting us letting us into your
1: world and we let you into ours. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.